So we'll be in back in Mark chapter 7. This is where we left off the last time. We were in Mark. And the, the last time we were there, we were in Mark, we saw the Lord Jesus Christ dealing with the scribes and Pharisees on the matter of defilement. Uh, the issue of whether or not washing one's hands or things or, cer- or cups or, or other utensils could possibly defile someone in the sight of God. And as we pick up the story today, we see him get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. Because ultimately the issue of defilement is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. See, as we begin this new year, a lot of times, you know, the beginning of a new year sometimes has that, that part of, of health to it, as it were. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they wait till the new year and a new diet, a new exercise plan, a new opportunity to get themselves physically fit and healthy, a clean slate. <laughs> You know, you probably see in many of the commercials, the, the advertisements for whether it's health clubs or health drinks or whatever, that's one of the things that dominates <clears throat> the airwaves uh, <laughs> at this time of year. It's been for quite some time. This is not a new phenomenon. As we begin there, you know, I think about that again. You know, there's nothing wrong. We like to be healthy. I know I like to feel fit <laughs> and things. Who does you feel better? When you're feeling healthy and well, whatever means you, you use to, to get there. And part of that, you know, is maybe this is a, you know, a, a downer topic, but as we begin this year, you know, the, with all that's going on, illnesses and diseases, I'll bring it up, the, 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 the number one cause of death in the U.S. is heart disease. Still heart disease. Out of all the things that go on in our society that that we wrestle with, that we go on, both the old and the new, it still is the one that takes the prize. Not a pleasant prize, not not an enviable prize, but it is still the one that dominates our health for various reasons. But it does. It's the number one. Uh, roughly, depending on which year you're looking at, we're looking at a number of over 600,000 a year. 600,000 a year. Now, I didn't trace it back how many years, at what point did it come up to that level, but it has been around that for quite some time. As I said, that tie is kind of a downer. It's like, oh, Pastor Becker, yeah. Really? Heart disease, death, illness, boy, you're really starting this year out in a bang, aren't you? Well, you know, if you start at the bottom, you know, you really can, you know, there's only one way to go after that. So I figure maybe I'll begin that way. I'll start in a, a, an unenviable topic or an un, unpopular beginning, and hopefully we can find ourselves in a greater point as we move on. I bring that up because, again, the, this issue of defilement, it is an important topic, an important issue for the Jews. It's not someone the Lord, while he was dealing with these antagonistic Pharisees and scribes, 
he wasn't blowing it off. He wasn't trying to dismiss the idea. I mean, defilement was a real issue as far as spiritual defilement and an individual's ability to come close to God. That was an important thing. And the Lord wasn't being you know, dismissive or, poop or anything about it. But he wants to get to the real, again, heart of the issue here. What's really at stake? What really causes these things? And wants to make it clear. And it begins as, as we started here in, in chapter 14, or I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 14. He kind of calls the multitude. Again, this chapter opened. He was engaged in a public uh, teaching opportunity, uh, you know, which is, of course, you know, a hallmark of his ministry here on earth. Public ministry, public teaching um, dominated what he did. But of course, these, these scribes and Pharisees came in. So it's like, all right, if you're going to make a public issue of this, I'm going to deal with you publicly. And he did. He called them out on it. But he, then he gathers the multitude, kind of, kind of like, all right, come on, everybody, listen up. I got something to say. I want you to know this. I want to be very clear about this point. And he says, hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. Jesus makes it clear what doesn't defile. The external, he says, doesn't defile. Nothing you ingest is going to defile you in the sight of God. And we're going to deal with it because there's part of some may be saying, whoa, there's some stuff back in the law that seems to indicate differently. And we'll get to that. The issue is that the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can tell that, that that probably got people's attention. Again, th- who is he talking to? Jews, monotheistic. Law-abiding Jewish people. They knew the law. They knew what it said. They knew the dietary requirements and all the other aspects of it, of cleanliness and things that need to be done. I mean, Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, they made sure that the law was carried out after his birth. That the proper sacrifices were given at the temple and everything that was done was according to it. He made sure all of that was done. So you can imagine that him saying that nothing that enters from the outside can defile you, it's probably like, whoa. (laughs) But what about this point? What about that thing? I say he wants to get to the heart of the matter. When scripture repeats itself, it's one of those things we, we say often in Christian circles and Bible believing churches that when the scriptures repeat, Itself is something you need to pay attention to. Something you need to pay attention to. And we see that here. The Lord kind of repeats. First, here in the first paragraph, the Lord tells the multitude that nothing from the outside, nothing external can defile. And verse 15. He says that. But then when he gets alone with the with his with the disciples, with his buddies, in verse 18. If you just kind of glance down, 
briefly, he says the same thing. He says, so to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? And he repeats that. He makes it clear. Nothing from the outside can defile a man. Important. There's nothing you can ingest that will defile you. And God said, because ultimately, what the issue is one of faith. That's ultimately what the, the, the law was all about. Was following obedience as a result of faith. See, in verse 19, the Lord even says, anything that enters the stomach is eliminated, purifying all food. So it's a heart issue, not a stomach issue. Again, this is one of those parts where some people could use this as an opportunity for license, say, well, it purifies all food. I can partake of anything. I can partake of anything I want, Right? I mean, they had dinner that night, as the, the, maybe if they went out to the local you know, restaurant and they all sat down and one after another, you know, John and Paul, they're like, I'll take the lamb, I'll take the lamb, I'll take the lamb. They just go, I'll take the pork chops. No, no. <laughs> he didn't, and he wouldn't. And Jesus himself said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Fulfill it. Okay, so part of it, what is he saying here? If, if nothing is unclean, pork's on the menu, right? Not exactly. Not at this point yet. Not during this dispensation. The Lord is on earth yet. No, see, part of it is attitude. Attitude is everything as it were. Paul even addresses that, touches on this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, yes, but not all things edify. Not all things edify. See, part of what we're looking at here is the difference between obedience versus disobedience. The Jews observing the law out of self-effort, leading to self-righteousness, which was the, the Pharisees and the scribes, modas operandi, and what they thought, saw the purpose of the law was. Their little checklist, I don't do this, I don't do that. If you've ever heard the phrase, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with girls who do. <laughs> yeah, as if somehow that is going to make you acceptable. Or pure in God's sight. Well, that was kind of their mind. It's like, we don't do any of that, and then beyond that, we're not going to do all this stuff either. And it wouldn't have been so bad if that's where they left it, but then they start turning, it's like, yeah, but you shouldn't be doing any of that either. As the Lord said, heaping burdens upon everyone else that they themselves couldn't even keep. No. The idea for them should have been observing the law out of faithful obedience. Thus saith the Lord. And we certainly could look at all, uh, even there we know now, some of the health reasons that possibly could have been at play for some of the dietary restrictions and things of that nature. And just the idea of, of washings. 
after certain events, cleanliness does lead to a healthier um, life, as it were. We understand the way germs and microorganisms function nowadays. But part of it for them was the Lord said. And ultimately, that should be enough. Ultimately, are you going to observe out of faith or do out of recognition? It's interesting. You know, again, some might say that, 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 that again, that's one of those that someone could turn to license. There's some I know, conversations I've had, perhaps some of you have had, you know, you'll get into conversation about this, that, or the other thing, what, what, what you can or cannot do as a Christian. They always seem to want to see it in terms of that, thou shalt not and thou shalt. But they all seem to know that Jesus partook of wine. There's some debate on that, whether you actually drank it or not, and what kind of wine it even was back then, how fermented it was. But they know. They especially know that Jesus turned it in, you know, water into wine. They couldn't find the passage if their life depended on it, per se. But they know. And it's one of those things you can tell if you've ever been in a it's, it's one of those ways that they use, but I can, so I can partake. I can partake of this, right? Because of this. Well, you can. Doesn't mean you should. And there's a whole subject about that, about the difference between partaking of a drink and drunkenness. Vastly different. The Lord deals with that very specifically in other areas of Scripture. One of my first passages of Scripture that I memorize, and of course right now I fail to remember the actual reference, but Proverbs, where it tells us that beer is a brawler and strong, or beer is, beer, oh, <laughs> I should have wrote it down. <laughs> uh, beer is a fool, strong drink is a brawler. I'm sorry, but I'm butchering that now at this point. But anyway, it was one of those, because of my lifestyle before, it jumped right out at me. It was like that glaring thing telling me specifically, not anyone else, Justin Becker, this is no good for you anymore. You know what it's done to you in the past. <laughs> this will only further harm you. And that's all I needed to hear. I didn't need to have anyone convince me. I didn't have to have anyone preach at me. I didn't have to have to try and tell anyone else not to. It was like, this is for me. <laughs> this is what the Lord needs me to know. But again, it's been said, you can take any passage, uh, 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 justify anything from the word of God if you take only just this little part of it. And this could be an example of that. Someone may think, well, I don't do it, you know, that because of that I have a clean bill of health. I can eat bacon and eggs all day long, let that cholesterol scream to the ceiling all day if I want. I can have every donut I've ever imagined. Whew, I like the sound of that. I have a clean bill of health no matter what I ingest. But there's something still wrong here. There's still a heart issue. 
Such a thing. Apparently on December 3rd, 1967, 53-year-old Louis, I'm gonna, not going to pronounce this last name very well, Washkansky, received the first human heart transplant at Groot Schuller Hospital in Cape Town, South Africa. Monumentous occasion, the first successful human heart transplant. Imagine that. He was dying of heart disease, and now he had a healthy heart. But sadly, due to the immune suppression to drugs he had to take so that his body wouldn't reject the heart because they hadn't quite worked out those aspects of, of that type of procedure yet, he died 18 days later. But obviously since then they have excelled in the procedure, excelled in their understanding and their implementation of these things. People who have been living with heart transplants, both human and mechanical, for years, decades even, afterwards. But ultimately, they still die. Again, that may be a sad moment here, but we're not done. (laughs) We're not done. Just want to bring us back. It's still a heart issue. As Jesus goes on here, he makes it clear, before he made it clear what it is not, what doesn't defile. And he makes it clear what does defile, what does taint the human being. Is that the things that come out of a person cause defilement. He makes that abundantly clear both to the multitude and to the disciples. Back in verse uh, 15, there's nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. And then back down in verse 19 and 20, because it does not enter his stomach, uh, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. And he goes on, listing many of the things that, that, that are seen on the exterior, actions, attitudes. He said, from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and even lie, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. pretty big list (laughs) and probably not all encompassing either and for those that may may think or assume that well that was then you know we're under grace now let's just take a little peek at Galatians Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Outward. And the problem is the heart. The things we see on the exterior, we see the actions and attitudes of individuals is the evidence, the proof of what's going on in here. And it says uh, that which goes in to the, in, into the stomach will get eliminated. But that which goes into the heart doesn't get eliminated. It's interesting, it's been said in one of Pastor Walgast, I don't know if it's his favorite word, a verse, passage, but it's one he certainly loves to quote quite often. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, I think the, 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 the focus of the heart, the issue of the heart cannot be underestimated or downplayed. So it just says, your word I have hid in my heart. I think because it's possible to hide other people's words in our hearts as well. Other thoughts, other ideas, we can hide them there just as easily, or probably even more so than we can hide the word of the Lord in our heart. And that is the result, again, we see the outplaying of that. What comes out, what's poured out is the evidence of a defiled heart. Evidence of the heart disease that we all have. In essence, it's a genetic disorder traced all the way back to the very garden to our great, 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 I won't bore you with all the greats, grandparents of Adam and Eve. From that point on, every human being born has had a heart disease. A heart that was not for God. A heart that did not thirst for righteousness. It's interesting. In scripture, the, it tells us that the heart is the chief organ of physical life. That's one of the things we, we base the sanctity of life upon. Time and again, anyone who does, you know, tries to point, well, this or that aspect is, 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 is a, a hallmark of life or a checkpoint of whether something is viable or not. It's just the heart. That heart's beating. There's life. That's what the Word of God says. But it also tells us that the heart is the seat of total depravity. You see that in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We could even ask, who could fix it? You know, think of that, that, that man who got the first heart transplant. It was a phenomenal doctor to be able to take that the first time to step forward and do that. Ultimately, you couldn't save him. Time and again, no matter how brilliant the surgeon and how successful the surgery, the ultimate outcome is going to be the same. 
in a physical sense. It's the heart. It's the heart is the issue. See, no matter, on this earth, we will never find a physician good enough, capable enough. But there is a physician. Jesus has been called the great physician. And he is capable. And he is able to fix this heart. Because as we look at that passage, all those things that the Lord lists on down, the proofs of 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 a defiled heart, what should have been evident to anyone who was listening to that was like, okay, that's me. <laughs> one of those, if not all of them, should have been one of those. That said, how, how does he know? How does he know? Well, he knows because he's God. That's how he knows. It wasn't a list by which someone could go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I can see that in Fred over there. Whew, he's a mess. Now, again, it was that pointing right at the individual. This is where you are. This is where you're at. It's the hard issue. Because I said we can never underestimate the importance of the heart. Or it is the very essence of who we are, the basic nature and ultimate nature of who we are. Which is why the Lord, I believe, comes to that. It's the heart issue. The heart issue. It should be clear that it is our heart that is defiled. As I said as well, we have this in the genetic condition, even though that's not the right way to say it. It's more of a spiritual level that has been passed on all the way down to where we are today. Now, not only do we need a great physician, because no matter how great, and again, the doctor who performed that surgery was great. He was. Brilliant, both in skill and knowledge. But it's not enough. No matter where you look, we'll always, the, the, the heart will ultimately fail us in a physical sense. We need to find a pure heart, an undefiled heart. Again, on an earthly sense, we'll never find it. Always looking, no matter where we find, we'll never find one good enough. But again, we do have a hope. We do have a donor who's willing to give us his heart. And he said so in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In essence, he said, I will give you my heart. I will give you my heart. And that will take care of all of the issue. 
And that will see you through this life and into the life to come and guarantee you eternal life. Hopefully, you see, we didn't end in a downward spiral. (laughs) Because what the Lord promises always lifts us up to greater heights than we could ever imagine and understand. And that is his promise. That is the gospel. That by faith in him and his finished work on the cross, we have a new heart and eternal life. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before you thankful for the promise of life. Promise of eternal life through faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for the new heart he gives to each and every one who place their faith and trust in him. That it is that simple. And it is all done by him. And we do pray that anyone who is sitting here today physically or out there watching this message online, and if they have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as of yet, that they would not go another day let alone another year, without thanking that decision. That in the quietness of their own home, in the quietness of their own heart as it is now, they can say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I trust in you that you died, buried, and rose again for my sake. And with that, they are welcomed into the family of God and given the promise of eternal life. Father, we thank you and praise you in his name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Becker. Please stand with me. We're going to be singing the song, Hymn at Calvary.